Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone and greetings in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the Christ. I'm excited to be back with you again uh, today talking about hermeneutics. I have my good friend Samuel that is here. Can you greet everyone, Samuel? Hey, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> you can tell the difference in generations here. Uh, Samuel, again, has been such a blessing to help set up this studio And it's a real help for me to be able to talk about things and share when there's someone actually in the room and (laughs) not just speaking to four walls. That's what I'm here for. I'm the audience. (laughs) Plus, he has the technical background as well. So I'm so thankful that Samuel is here. Yesterday, we talked about translations of the Bible. And I encouraged everyone to really have at least one copy of the NASV or the ESV within your house, that when you study God's Word, that you're studying the most literal translation of the Bible that you can find using the earliest manuscripts. So I want to encourage you to do that. And now we're going to move on to a second subject today within the, within the field of hermeneutics. Again, hermeneutics is the art and science of biblical interpretation. How do we interpret God's Word? I want to start off today, first of all, talking about systematic theology versus biblical teaching and explain the difference between the two. Let me start it off, and Sam, you you jump in anytime that you want to. Systematic theology, let me say this. There are very few Bible colleges that are left in the world today, in the Western culture. Usually when you go to what they call a Bible college the first year or two, many times you're studying theology first, and towards the end you're getting into your Bible teaching. But then the Bible that you're studying has to fit into the conclusions that you have been taught on the front end, and that is called systematic theology, the study of God, the study of Christ, the Messiah, the study of sin, the study of the church, the study of end times, the study of the Holy Spirit, the study of angels. I can go on and on. But what they represent is the conclusions that others have made throughout the century in different categories. And so we study these things, and then we get into the Bible. And the Bible is treated more as a proof text of these questions and these conclusions that have come from others. And therefore, it's not a true Bible school when you do that, in my opinion. And it becomes a a proof text of verifying the conclusions of others and not really teaching the Bible naturally as how the Bible should be taught. Does that make sense or any Mm -hmm. clarification I need to make? Yeah. So I'm just thinking about it because where we live, there is a school. We're not going to call them out on anything that has a seminary. 
And I do have some friends that go there that are taking systematic theology. I guess concept is basically we've had all of these scholars and people before us that have studied the Bible, whatever they said or the conclusions that they have come to in their studying is something that we're going to start with and then continue down the line instead of going back and trying to figure out where that conclusion came from and maybe even challenging it or going to figure out your own conclusions. Yes, so, that's correct. Okay. okay. Yeah, see, we all have conclusions that we have when we come into God's Word. However, when you get into certain theological colleges or denominations, uh, group settings, the, the systematic theology is so tight that you cannot b- break free from that. So when you go and you study the Word of God, everything that you're studying is coming through the lenses of, say, the Reformers, the lenses of Augustine, the lenses of Pentecostalism, the lenses of Calvinism, the lenses of dispensationalism. Okay. That makes sense? So systematic theology is kind of more geared towards denominationalism and like really having that foremost in your mind, like your past, your history, what denomination you're part of when you study and read the Bible. Right. Whatever group that you grew up in that discipled you, the conclusions that were passed down from others to them, and many times, Samuel, they're very good conclusions. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that systematic theology is a bad thing. What I'm going to say here today is I want to reverse it that first comes the biblical teaching and preaching and proclamation, and then comes the conclusions, and then we go back to the Word of God and always allow our conclusions to be not boxed in by systematic theology, but allow our our conclusions always to be challenged with the Word of God. I'm always going back to God's Word. So Martin Luther said this, That's fine. He probably is right on some things, and some things he's wrong. Augustine said this. Um, The Pentecostals say this. The Charismatics say this. The Southern Baptists say Mm -hmm. this. And And even the modern-day Ben Johnson or Stephen Furtick, these popular I have no idea who these people are. (laughs) So, yes, whoever they are. And most preaching today and teaching today is more systematic theology because there are topical messages that they're preaching coming from a conclusion, a sermon that is developed, and then you're using the Bible to proof text your conclusion. In fact, this will surprise a lot of people. I have not, everyone's trying to create a sermon. I have not created a sermon. I have not developed a sermon for about 25 years. And I'm going to explain that. I I try to stay away from it. I try to stay away from homiletics. Homiletics is public speaking, preaching, and teaching the Word of God. I I encourage everybody, never take a homiletics class. Interesting. And And I will also say this. Can you find one homiletics class throughout the whole Bible, Old Covenant, New Covenant, of them teaching them how to preach, how to teach? The whole focus hmm. was knowing the Word of God. See, when you say that, the passage comes to mind 
where Jesus is telling the disciples about how they're going to be persecuted and put in front of kings and nations and how he says to them, don't worry about what you have to say in that moment because the Spirit will give you the, right. the words to say. Yes, and those men, what, what Jesus did with his disciples, he taught them about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He wasn't teaching them how to preach the kingdom of God. He's teaching them the principles of God's kingdom, and he sends them out going and preaching God's kingdom. The kingdom of God was his number one subject. And so it was all about knowing God's word. If you want to be a great minister, preacher, teacher, proclaimer of God's word, know the word of God. Know what God said to Isaiah, to Israel, to Judah. Know what what that whole scroll was, that whole book. Know it inside and out. And you don't have to go out and write a three, four, five-point sermon in which you're using Isaiah to uh, um, fit your sermon that you've put together. Just preach the Word of God. And, it, and it's that okay. simple. Like so, Paul to Timothy, just preach the Word. Right. I don't write out sermons. I don't use notes, things of that nature. If you do that, there's not any problem with that. But my whole goal in life is to know the Word of God. And why shouldn't, this is something I've noticed, Samuel, is I'll ask a young person, say I'm in a different country, Mm -hmm. can you go and can you teach on the spot? And they cannot do it because they're thinking, oh, I'm not prepared. Well, why would you not be able to teach the Word of God? See, we're taking the principles of God's Word. We're not developing sermons, so, hey, go for it. Teach the minor prophets. You have six, seven hours here. Go for it. <laughs> Teach the That'd Word of God. Intimidating. Yeah. But if, if our young people are more interested in studying and knowing God's Word instead of developing sermons to hit a home run on Sunday morning, then yeah. it's not about so much developing a conclusions and having the Bible to fit those conclusions, having a great sermon and just uh, wowing people, it's about bringing forth the Word of God, and you should be able to do that at any time. Mm. Okay. If you saturate yourself in the Word of God. Now, let's get back on, because I got off topic a little bit. Okay. Systematic theology versus biblical teaching. Most preaching today is categorical or not categorical. Topical? uh, Topical, thematic. Mm -hmm. Not anything wrong with that. Jesus did the same thing. You see them uh, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching from the old covenant scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, and bringing forth God's word many times in parables and topics, not anything wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm saying to us, make sure that our conclusions are always being challenged by the truth of God's word. So I want, as we're developing a biblical library here, I want people to know the book of Jacob, James. Mm -hmm. I want them to know the book of Amos. I want them to know Jonah. I want them to know Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel. I want them to know the gospel of Matthew. And I want them to go through these books as we develop a biblical library and we study the word of God. I want them to know it inside and out And then from the teaching of God's Word that's consistent all the way through, they're constantly developing their conclusions. 
And then they can see in my denomination, is it right or is it wrong according to God's word? And also, many of the questions that we have in this systematic theology are not even legitimate questions. Mm. Say, for example, Augustine, 5th century A.D., a great theologian, but he did two things. He brought two conclusions to the church that had, I think, a negative effect throughout the centuries. First, he was the first person to advocate an arbitrary choosing of God without the free will of man. He was the first Calvinist before there was even Calvinism, you see. Hmm. So first century, there's not. Second century, third century, fourth century, there's not even a discussion on the subject. But yet he came to this conclusion that he, he got saved out of a cult. And in this cultic background, they had this view of God that God arbitrarily chooses heaven and hell, not based upon a sovereign God that's giving free will to men, but it's all based upon the sovereign will of God. It's very similar to Islam. Islam has the same approach Mm -hmm. to God, and there's not any room for the free will of man. That had a devastating effect upon the church from that century on. The second thing that he taught, he was the first person to teach amillennialism or postmillennialism, that he put chapter 19 of Revelation after chapter 20. So what he did in in this postmillennialism or what morphed into postmillennialism, it was the church that brings about salvation and the church is going to subdue the world and bring in the kingdom and get it ready for the coming of the Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus Christ. So let, let <laughs> me stay on thought here. So for f- from the 5th century all the way up to the 19th century, we don't even have much preaching about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. See, 1st century, get ready for the coming of the Lord. 2nd century, get ready for the coming of the Lord. 3rd century, 4th century, it was all about our salvation coming, and our mm-hmm. salvation is coming when He comes. But Augustine turned that all around in his conclusion. And remember back then, people didn't have Bibles like we have today. Mm -hmm. They they relied upon the ministers and these theologians. But that got the church off of the expectancy that Jesus is coming back. He is our salvation. He's the one that's going to bring in the kingdom, not this church that's taking over the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So... The Word of God should always be challenging our systematic theology. Mm -hmm. One more example. 1800s, dispensationalism comes in. There's two English guys from England that come Mm -hmm. to America and start preaching about three comings Mm -hmm. of the Lord. The first coming, the silent coming, and the literal coming. And they split up his coming into his second coming into two phases. One is the catching up, which became known as the rapture. Mm -hmm. And the other is his literal coming. They actually preached three comings of the Lord. Now, the good thing that dispensationalism did, this theological system, it got the church and its eyes in America back on the coming of the Lord. The negative thing that it did, it separated 
the coming of the Lord, the second coming into two phases separated by seven years, three and a half years. And it talked about the church and the dispensation of the church being taken away. And they separated his coming with this catching up. The problem is every time that you go scripturally, when it talks about the catching up, the gathering, the rapture, Mm -hmm. it's always at his coming. But today I go to any church around the world and they ask me, they say, are you pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib? And I say to them, that's not even a legitimate question that the Word of God even deals with. At His coming, the dead in Christ will rise first. At His coming, He will gather His elect from the four corners of the earth. It's never separated in God's Word. So the first century church preached, get ready for the coming of the Lord. The second century preached, get ready for the coming of the Lord. Because that was our scriptural basis. Mm -hmm. Today, I don't even allow myself to get involved in that systematic theology. I tell people, get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. I'm not even going to argue about it because it's an illegitimate question Mm -hmm. that comes from systematic theology placed upon the text, and people have been arguing about it for over 100 years now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's pretty wild. Because it it seems like, uh, I know Paul, I forget which letter it was, he was writing to a church about um, an uprising of theological differences and how he was talking about you know, if anyone comes to you that preaches a different Jesus than the one that we've preached to you. Mm-hmm. And that can sound kind of like systematic theology in that he's saying, you know, what we preach to you, guys, keep that. But the preaching that they did was the Bible because it wasn't, they didn't have the Bible then, it wasn't written down. So it's like, wait, he was really trying to communicate, I guess, is. You know, all these other people can come to you with their own conclusions. They can come to you with their own sermons. But if it's anything else than the original, than what the text says about Jesus, then you can't pay any attention to it. Right. I think you're referring to Galatians there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, back then they did have the Word of God, but not... uh, not like we have it today Mm -hmm. in book form that we carry with us and you know, they would have to go to the synagogues and read and read the scrolls. So they had access to God's Word. And the most important thing is what Paul preached to the Galatians is exactly what the New Covenant was all about. Mm-hmm. It was based upon the forgiveness of sins and a transformation from the inside out. And Paul recognized that was a work of the Holy Spirit. So it, they were bringing truth but then others were trying to bring a different conclusion, a different way, mm-hmm. and to say that they were not complete or not, it's not finished just by the death and the resurrection of Christ and by your faith in Him, it, the new covenant is not complete. You have to take circumcision of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And okay. Paul understood the Word of God. He understood what the new covenant was all about. Mm-hmm. And that was a different gospel that these men, Jewish believers from Jerusalem, coming from Jacob, coming from James, going to the region of Galatia and saying, hey, you're not complete. It's not complete. You have to Mm -hmm. be circumcised of the flesh. 
So you're completely right. They are coming back to the Word of God, challenging the conclusions of others, wrong conclusions. And I want it to also to be my life. Every conclusion I have, I mm-hmm. constantly want to go back into God's Word to challenge everything in my life. This is the problem, though. In the Western church today, almost everything that we believe as believers are based upon Sunday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, topical sermons where the Bible is used as a proof text for conclusions. Sometimes those Mm -hmm. conclusions are good. Sometimes you go, wow, where did that come from? And they do, and most people cannot challenge that because that's all that they've ever done is use the Bible as a proof text. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a verse here and a verse there and something over here, but can they really teach Paul's letter to the Galatians? Most young generation, millennials today, if I said, what is Galatians? Can you teach me Galatians? They cannot give it to me. Right. (laughs) You see what he's saying? See what I'm saying? So biblical teaching versus systematic theology. In hermeneutics, what I'm saying about this, study the Word of God in its entirety. When you pick up the Gospel of John, study it, the whole Gospel. Start from the beginning and go to the end. Mm -hmm. And understand what John is saying in his Gospel. He has a different emphasis than Matthew. Matthew has a different emphasis than Luke. Luke has a different emphasis than Mark. Even the same stories will have a different emphasis within inside of that story. And get to know God's Word and allow God's Word to constantly bring forth our conclusions of who He is, what is sin, what is salvation, what is the body of the Messiah, what is the church, what is the end times, what should we believe about the end times. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to have to study Daniel. You're going to have to study Ezekiel. You're going to have to study Zechariah. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to study Matthew 24, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Revelation. We can go on and on. People come to me and say, can you give me a book where I can study about the end times? I said, yes, the Bible. <laughs> but they don't want that. They want a systematic yeah. theology book, someone that's written a book with all these someone conclusions. Someone make it easy. Make it very easy and quick. It, you know, just cut out all of the time that you have to spend and the effort that you have to spend to actually study and get the information, to get the, the truth. I was at a conference in Nashville. We broke out into these small groups, and they each had a focus for what the small group was about. And the one that I was really interested in was how to study the Bible. So I went to that one. They had a pastor... That uh, was kind. Of, he has kind of similar personality to you. He's kind of self-taught in studying the Bible, and uh, a student had a question about getting to that place. Like, how do I become, you know, so fluent in Scripture, like you are? And is there like resources that I can get? Like, what are the steps that I take? And he he was just like. You know, if you're really passionate about it, then the Bible is all that you need. Like, because literally, that is the text to learn and measure everything, all of your conclusions, all of your philosophies by. So, 
if you're passionate and about the truth and you really want to know, then you'll find it in the Bible. Yes. I thought that was that was really cool and kind of encouraging for me to hear that it's really hard and that it does take effort and it does take time. But if you really do want the truth and you don't want a recycled, you know, theology from somebody else that's just seems like it could be true, but you want the real thing, then you can go to the Bible and that's really all you need. Yes. Yes. And uh, if you stay in the word of God, say if you're studying Kings or Chronicles, mm-hmm. uh, you're going through and, and you're studying about all of these kings, the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, you study them. It's so incredible from what you get from God's word. But sometimes I'll go and study this, the historical background of that king and mm-hmm. learn all the history behind that person as well. And it, and it helps to make the word of God just come alive even more. So, but the main thing is staying in God's word and learning the mm-hmm. history behind it sometimes really brings it out even more alive at times. And, uh, but it's an incredible thing. If you will just stay in God's word of how he'll keep you going on the right path. Now, let me say, I'm not against systematic theology, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is our systematic theology constantly has to be challenged by God's word. Mm-hmm. I believe in the deity of the Messiah. That is something that you see in 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century, all the way down to today. It was not created Mm -hmm. 4th century Nicaea. It's always been there. It's there in the scriptures. When I go into the Word of God, Old Covenant, New Covenant, I see the deity of the Messiah so clearly because that's what is being taught. Mm -hmm. So it strengthens my theology if that makes sense. It strengthens my systematic theology, and I'm going back constantly to okay. the Word of God. Every once in a while, I come across a theology that I've been taught, and usually they're distinctives that comes out of whatever group that we're with. You say, I'm, I'm not so sure that's exactly what God's Word is saying. Your systematic theology is important. The only thing that we're saying is allow your study of God's Word to create your conclusions on your own. Okay. And challenge that systematic theology by the Word of God. So systematic theology, not that it's evil or anything, but it shouldn't be a basis for faith, a basis of your beliefs. It should be more like a framework of these are the questions and these are the topics and these are the conclusions that other people have come to when they studied the Bible, now I have to go do the work and study the Bible and see if those things are actually right, actually true according to the text. Yes, very much. Okay. If a person's been taught Calvinism, mm-hmm. every text that they go into, every book, they already, already have a defense mechanism built up. Oh, no, that's not, a, that's not what right. it's saying, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Oh, right. it's not actually saying that. So... Be willing to allow your theology or the theology of others to be challenged by God's Word. And it gives you a great freedom Mm -hmm. to just allow God to continue to minister to your life through His Word. One thing that goes with that in the study of God's Word is to look at the chapter and verse divisions. Mm -hmm. And it's a great blessing to have them. But as you're studying God's Word, eliminate them from your, from your mind. 
Okay. So when you go through the letter that, that Jacob, James, wrote to the Jewish believers scattered abroad, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, mm-hmm. read it from beginning to the end and don't even think about chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 5, those kind of things. <laughs> That's actually encouraging for me yeah. because I'm never good at you know remembering the exact verse number or chapter number or anything. Because right. you want to get the essence of what God is saying through that person to those people at that time, and you cannot isolate it into chapter and verse divisions. Now, the chapter and verses came later, Mm -hmm. and they're a great blessing. If I said open up to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, then everyone out there can do that. Right, be in the same place. Yes, but at the same time, it becomes a hindrance for people learning God's Word because they have isolated chapter and verses and the flow of thought is not uh, very strong in their understanding. Okay. All right. So that's another principle in hermeneutics. Do not get caught up in chapter and verse divisions. Do not be jumping all around the Bible. Okay. If you're studying Galatians, study Galatians. Okay. <laughs> go from beginning to end. Go back. Have some beginning self-discipline. To the end. Yes. And go through it. Don't even think about the chapter or the verse because those are later additions. It's the flow of thought that you want to understand. Another thing, well, let, let me stop, stop there and we can get that for the next okay. podcast because we're getting really long here. So today, let your biblical teaching produce your systematic theology and do not get caught up into chapter-verse divisions, but allow the flow of thought to come forth as you're studying God's Word. Let this minister to your life today. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.